0: Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. Jimmy, shoot interview guest today. Underneath the hot lights is the great Kelly Jones. Uncle Kelly Jones, I like to call him, man. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Cal. <Kel>. yeah, <give> <laughs> Uncle Cal. Give us some of that bibliography so that we could jump right into the conversation, Jimmy. Deadman, Sandman, Batman,
1: Alien Hives, uh, Batman, Dark Joker, Hammer, 13th Sun, Conan, Swamp Thing, Lobo versus Roadrunner, we could spend this entire interview <laughs> reading this list like what a career kelly has had um very excited to get into some details
0: here uh the one title that uh was left off uh of this this uh fantastic list uncle kill was a uh, terraformers wonder color Terraformers. <laughs> yep when do, where where does that lie uh in your career before
2: or after micronauts uh it was it was during that part and um sac i live in sacramento and there was a real strong comic book creative culture here uh ron Lim, sam keith tim vigil there was a lot of us here and we were out in you know Tatooine, as far as it was we're (laughs) way away from the centers of comics and anything happening and we had some friends who uh were putting together some books and they had found uh through i think uh, Roger McKenzie and some other guys had put this little publishing thing together. So on the side, I would do my Marvel stuff, and on the side, I would work with these guys because they were just old friends, you know? Uh, they were buddies that I had, uh, you know, the comic shop guys, the your comic book friends when it was, you know, not cool, and you guys, we would just all get together, and uh, we went to this pizza joint all the time, and, and I was, I had gotten in around 82, So I I was already doing it. And much to my surprise, because I really didn't know what the hell I was doing when they hired me. It was just, you know, as an inker. And Marvel had transformed me into a penciler because they weren't liking the pencil samples after Butch Geist left Micronauts. And I thought I was done. You know, I was that naive. I said, well, no, off to go to college again, you know, (laughs) or whatever. And uh, the editor said, you want to do it. So I started doing it. But I still maintained this friendship with all... You know, even though you're working all the time, those are the people I like to hang out with. And so when they brought this forward, I said, hey, count me in, you know, I'll do it. And I got to meet Roger McKenzie out of it, who I was a big fan of his his writing. Um, And I always kind of I always kind of liked it afterwards. You know, I forgot all about it until, you know, you go to a show and someone brings it up to you. Uh, It's always that um, they probably think they're going to embarrass you. But it brought back great memories. Here's a, here's a question uh, that, that sort of you make spring to mind,
0: being Sacramento dude. Uh, mm-hmm. Are your deadlines for a New York-based Marvel Comics, are your deadlines stricter because of FedEx and things? Like, how does yeah, that part Yeah, it work?
2: was... I used to... Um, where I really felt it was when they, they, by simple chance, they put me on the covers for Batman and Detective. And... That was a very hectic period because they were trying to arrange all these books to be together. And a lot of times they didn't know what was, they couldn't, they know they needed it for solicitation, but they hadn't cleared what they were going to do. So I, I honestly, I would be called Monday morning for something that they needed, sometimes the next day, sometimes Wednesday. Because they were trying, they tried not to cut me that short. So I was just making it up as I went. And fear is a great, great thing to make you just cut all the crap and get right to the core of it. All I used to do is say composition first. I have to come up with a cool composition. Next, get to the point of whatever it is, um, and where it probably worked out is I was I was such a horror guy that. I could pinpoint a dramatic or frightening shot, which works well for a cover. You know, I I used to tell them, "Don't give me those guys posing shot. I don't want to do posing or a group of guys or they're all coming at you. I don't want that." Um, when they were able to tell me what was going on, uh, I said, "I you know I don't want to know too much. Just give me a uh, tell me something quick because there wasn't time." Thank God. I, I used to refuse to get a fax machine. I wanted no one to see what I was doing. I wanted no one to know where I was at. Um, I didn't want anyone to know my speed Um, because sometimes uh, you just want to, you just want to work free of all the, any Imperial entanglements, you know? So, um, and they were benefiting from it at that time. Now for me, I, I was just, I was unaware of any of the effects of that, but it, how well that was going. But man, I thank God every day I was in that deadline hell from being in California to New York. I I looked at it as like, OK, today I got to come up with something. And it, yeah, it was frightening, you know. But then once you're about 10 minutes at the board and the idea comes, it, it's fine. And then I would look and I go, you know, three o'clock, that was the cutoff. I had to package it and get it to them they didn't come pick it up so I had to drive into town and um, so I knew if I started at 8 it had to be done at 10 it forced me to buy a big copier so I could make uh, uh, big nice copies in case it got lost Um, uh, so I have a huge uh, history of my work and pencils and (laughs) I just made them and put them in a box and forgot about it but I thank God every day for debt. I put personal deadlines on myself, you know, whatever it's going to be, it's got to be that day. Uh, any, a, a page that takes longer than a day is not going to do me any good. I don't, I don't think as well if I'm spending too much time on.
1: Man, I feel like we could unpack that answer for the rest of this talk. <laughs> Where to begin? Um, you, you know, you mentioned doing a page in a day. I think your page layouts and storytelling are really strong and impressive you're such a stylist it's the first thing i assume everybody sees when they look at your work but reading your work i'm impressed by the actual storytelling is like very solid and i think of you as you know 90s maybe late 80s a time whenever solid storytelling wasn't necessarily celebrated I,
2: i was very aware of what was going on around me i was not aware of what i was doing that way i didn't think of myself as being different i thought of myself as I didn't want to compete with the time I was in. It wasn't like I'm dismissive. I just didn't get it. So I wanted to compete. Like, what if I was trying to get a job in 68 to 72 or in that period? Those guys, because I looked at what they were doing and they were wonderful. So I knew that people perceived me and probably rightly so. It's kind of an artsy fartsy transgressive dude. But I was very uh, I was a very blue collar transgressive artsy fartsy dude. I wanted production. I knew I only would get better if I had to do it and I had to you know with a gun to my head or otherwise um that's the only way you get better so I didn't really look at too much but when I did it was all very homogenous to me and it was all very uh the storytelling was more about what the artist didn't want to draw right and to me it was I used to tell Doug or anyone I worked with if you for one sec second write to my strengths I'm going to go nuts. Just write a story. I'll figure it out. That's the only way you get any good is if somebody gives you something you don't want to do, make it cool. I'm Man, so glad. Great.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said those exact words because one of the things that I talk about on the channel often, I, I I describe certain artists as drawing what I call pathologically cool. And what I mean by that is sort of what you're describing. Like mm-hmm. if it's this chair I'm sitting on there are artists who can figure out a way to create some curves and something to make it extremely interesting to look at yeah. and i think of you very very highly uh, on that list of people who could just you could you could take anything and you figure out a way to distort it or add your spin to uh whatever it is whatever background details whatever. well i
2: didn't learn i didn't learn to draw by taking art courses and i didn't learn to draw by reading comics i loved comics So I consider myself an outsider fan to this day. I do not know how and where I, I mean, I did what I did and stuff happened, but you'd have to ask the people who hired me because I have no damn idea what, how, why they did. But where I learned was I took a lot of film courses. I was a huge film nut. So. Cartoonist
0: Kayfabe is brought to you by the books that we make Uh, out now. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus. Thank you guys so much for supporting it. And if you did not, we still have some copies available. Uh, There are two rounds of Red Room that are out there, Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings, Crypto Killers, the third in the set, is coming out in 2024 in January, and uh, X-Men Grand Design Trilogy Trade Paperback is coming to you in November. Another thing that's coming to you in November is the Street Angel Princess of Poverty collection that uh, is the companion piece to Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive. Jimmy's Been Self-Publishing has been the course of uh, this past year the bw zine 1986 zine and true crime funnies and of course hulk grand design is out there on the stands but uh not for long now that we are done paying the bills back to the video
2: film doesn't really people think it totally translates the comics it sort of does but it really doesn't it it it, but i loved it because it gave me uh i wanted an ambiguousness in my stuff i don't want everything i want the storytelling there But then I want those images where you go pause for a moment or it's a different angle. I used to I was delighted by stuff that other artists at the time weren't. They would love a big guy jumping at you or a guy yelling at you. Mine was somebody's got to plug. You know, I I had the scene in a Batman where this guy was going to electrocute another dude and he had to plug in the thing to electrocute him. And I went, well, how do I do that with tension? How do I do that? to make people slow down and so i i sat there and it just it's why production's great where you're under it and all of a sudden it hit me the shot is from inside uh the electrical plug in right so you're just looking through these two slots and it stopped people what is that but you see the guy coming with the prongs so you know that's what it is that's not a superhero trope that's a horror film trope you know and that's not a big, that was the thing I was most happy with. Where it's cool is I heard from so many other artists after that came out. Wow, that, that stopped them and then they realized and it all worked. But they were looking at it, you know. Now, to me, that was one panel in a oversized issue of Batman. But it made my day. <laughs> you know, just like, every once in a while, you just want to work it. You just want to say, come up with something. I never thought of myself as transgressive i just started hearing that from years later from other artists who would look at the stuff or say well if he can do it i can do it or if he's going off and doing that and i never thought of myself that way i always thought of myself as just goddamn lucky that they weren't every month i thought they're gonna fire me over this but i couldn't stop doing it and i grew up knowing sam keith and he was doing what he was doing and i was doing what i were doing we used to sit in my kitchen and draw and we would just go can you believe they have not people are these editors are going for it and i and sam once said well because it's selling <laughs> they, right. they they don't understand it but it, for whatever reason it's selling he says so i'm grateful and i went i guess that's true so you're close to sam
1: um he goes off to image and and really you know spends a big chunk of his time there doing max did you have any uh interest in doing that like doing a creator-owned book going in that
2: direction well i never thought i would get to be in comics i didn't think i'd get to be at either of the big two and batman was the new york yankees of comic books to me so for whatever happened i got the plum plum in the whole thing and i knew that every artist if you want to be remembered your headstone is your work it's not you know that's that's what it is it ain't some tombstone somewhere and i thought you know 100 years from now they'll still Batman will be it's like baseball I mean they still care about games a hundred years ago I figured I'll stick with that I had the good fortune of having people who I really admired who had done it come up and say you're doing a really good Neil Adams knocked me out saying if I'm the 70s you're the 90s and he said he really dug it and he started explaining to some other people that were like kind of you know civilians what what I it was that was remarkable Uh, that you don't expect. That you don't expect. You just sit there and go, I just, you know, I was terrified because here's this guy who is Batman. I mean, he just was. But, um, and I didn't even want to tell him that the guy who really got me to want to draw it was Marshall Rogers. I mean, that's that's the guy who got me going. And that was because I was a huge fan of his, and he looks so different, you know? And um, when I got there, I was lucky to be around people who, you know, Archie Goodwin and Danny O'Neill, who would just say, they didn't say you're doing great. They would say, why are you doing this? And it's one of those questions that's open-ended. It can mean anything. What they wanted was to know, was I committed to this or was I trying to just be a hipster dude? Right. And I didn't know what hipster dudes were because I was still thinking 1972. <laughs> you know, it's like, but when stuff, you know, at that time, I looked so different. They, they put out, I remember there was this thing about... uh everyone they wanted everyone to really kind of take a stock in what they were doing and see except me they just let me be alone you know and I knew some other artists were getting upset saying well how come Kelly gets to be alone and I was out here so I had no connection with these people and I didn't want them to think well I'm sitting there telling them what I'm gonna do I just the Doug would write it Danny would love it, it you just it would happen and I uh, I all I ever heard after I would give my answers on why I drew the way I did or why I did a character the way I did was they go okay you're thinking about it you know you're you're not trying to just I it, I think what also helped me was like I said I didn't tell the writers what to write They just said write it and and I don't want big booga booga shots just give me a story and I'll let me pace it let me figure out how to do it let, that's my angle I used to love to put designs in Batman little beginning shots little ending shots chapter breaks and all that because i was trying to do the 40s it wasn't like it i invented this but i loved a decorated book it felt like you got more
1: so i'm, I'm interested in how you would approach like your page layouts if you were doing thumbnails or something like that but now that you mentioned like the scripts what was it almost marvel method that you were able to like paste the stories or break them down a lot yourself? of it was
2: A lot of it was Doug would, and I would talk about it, and then he would write, you know, primarily I said, give me, give me the emphasized dialogue, work on that, and then kind of tell me where they're at. But when I'm laying out a page, the first thing I do is do the last panel, because that's the one that turns it. So I wanted, whatever it was going to be, it was going to be dramatic or important, and it make you go. And so I still do that to this day. Um, I will read a script, and I'll, I'll mark it up to where I think, where things will go. A lot of times writers can't read me because what they think is a big panel is not a big panel to me. It's a regular panel. What's a big panel to me might be something that they would never figure. But I think it gives, I think it gives their stories a better emphasis. It's like doing italics when you write, you know, it emphasizes a word. That's what I'm trying to do is, is give several panels in a book some kind of emphasis. there's times uh, like right now I'm uh, I'm working on on doing really clean graphic rough work. I want I want it still very graphic, but I want it a little rougher on uh, to to fit the story I'm doing. When I'm doing Dracula, I'm I want uh, I want all the things I loved, and I don't mean what I watched or saw, but all the things I loved that made a comic book great. I want them again, and it's impossible to do four color printing anymore so i have to imitate it i want primary colors i want um i want heavy textures that you can see what they are and the colors and you know really none of the airbrushy effects none of the flares none of that stuff i think people naturally gravitate to that graphic nature of a comic the the lines are rhythmic the 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 spotting of blacks a really good composition they they don't need all the other stuff and i think the other stuff is to hide that they don't do it you know oh absolutely or that they don't think that way
0: uh let me ask a san francisco i mean a sacramento related question because you named some hmm. names but i do wonder if you had any interactions with uh any of the madmen of sacramento i'm thinking tim vigil i'm thinking uh, chris yes. silver of silverwolf uh
2: graphics like yes. uh did those guys ever approach you, you- so, well not really approaching me but i knew them and you got to remember i started Around 18 or 19, I just, out of the gate, they, I did not know that was going to happen. I sent stuff in thinking they'd tell me, what do you think? You know, here's here's what you're doing wrong, or here's right. what you need to work on. And I sent it to DC too. So on the day they hired me, uh, the fir- in the morning I got the mail and, and Ernie Collins said, no. <laughs> you know, you, you have this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. I can see something there, but you, you have these things wrong. And that was my first time, not as a disappointment that like, oh, I got to think about this because... Marshall Rogers had told me, I think you could do this now, and I was like 16 or 17 then. I was really – I wasn't – it was because of him that I sent stuff in. But later that day, I get a thing from Marvel saying, we want to hire you as the inker on for Butch Guys. He he really likes your work. I Ralph Mackey was the editor, really like your work. We're going to send some stuff to you next – it was on Halloween of 82 or something. and. I remember being so excited, and then the reality of what it was hit me. Like then, my heart—I just sunk. So I started that early, and then I think it shocked all the people you're talking about. I mean, here we're all just sort of drawing on placemats at the pizza joint, or we're talking movies and comics and stuff. And all of a sudden, I had to tell them I was doing this, you know, and getting published, and. All my uh, the guys who ran the comic book stores, it was like not like they said, oh, you can't do it. They were just shocked. At first, they all thought I was bullshitting and I had to bring, you know, the little note that Ralph wrote me. And and then I brought I showed him Butch's pages when they came. But um, so I knew all these guys. And so when they were actually creating a lot of cool stuff, I was already in the grind at, at Marvel. Um. And they probably were shocked as I was. You know, I was like, "Going, dudes! I don't know. This is amazing." Um, and what happened was, it got it got to the point to where uh, the influence of that community um, was one of the factors—not the main one—but it was one of the factors why I went from Marvel to DC. I wanted more freedom. Um, I was I was making a lot of money, but under contract, and the contracts I never sign one again because they you you're stuck right you you, all of a sudden your security is the last thing an artist needs absolute last thing the only security you need is to know that you want to do it the next day and never care how the book turns out I mean I mean turn it what you do but how it fans react because these things have a long lifespan and it might be that they don't get it now but they'll get it later
0: So fascinating to think about that Sacramento pedigree, because there are through lines. Bernie Wrightson comes to mind uh, when I look at your work, obviously, like uh, uh, Vigil, Sam Keith to to some
2: extent. Uh, Well, what we had here, and, and this isn't usually spoken about, what we had here was a chain of comic book stores called Comics and Comics, where Bud Plant was this... A secret partner so it wasn't like a regular comic book shop you go in there and be original jeff jones art on the wall wow. there would be original rights and stuff on the wall there would be barry windsor smith and neil adams because bud could go get that stuff he had he would send the guys i know um uh all my comic book shop guys who ran at the managers there they would go back east they they went to the studio when it was all those guys for that two years and did a big buy um I was buying a look back they were able to get copies of this stuff and a rich I have um got on my wall over here I have all these original Christopher Enterprise posters that Wrightson had done signed but it, I got them at the time there's only a hundred and I got one but it was Gus a bud plant so we all saw this we congregated and so they were art heavy that you had underground guys Robert Crum would come up and buy so we got to see everything we saw underground we saw mainstream we saw european bud could get it all and bud was really good at pushing everything and so uh these guys would let me sit in the back room and just read and read and read that's how i discovered ec comics i i came in there as some kid saying oh this whoever artist is the best guy in the world and they said no i'm here (laughs) and sat me down and let me read Wallywood stuff from ec uh uh al williamson frazetta all these guys are comics and i came out of there very chastised and realizing but it influenced my inking a huge amount when i saw wally wood and i i owe those guys so it is i have to say it was a it's why i miss that kind of culture in a comic book shop we say it all the time because we have a really good
1: comic scene here in pittsburgh you know with shops that go back to the 70s and it's like You can take it for
2: granted if that's what you grow up around but a lot of places don't have anything like that nothing nothing and and i think that it it, you you can see it affect comic book creators if you can you know you can see isolated and just imitating what you like or you can see being influenced by others and i used to be very sam keith and i used to really be influenced by each other i'd do something he'd like he'd do something i like and we were uh we were very simpatico on a lot of things he he got very influenced by uh the kind of inking and undergrounds to establish light effects and i became very influenced by ec comics on how to do lighting effects um but lighting was the big thing we wouldn't talk about light we didn't talk about figure drawing and all that crap we talked about how do you get and establish something with light how do you um what kind of line work works best to do that? When do you get rough? When do you get clear? I remember Sam saying that the big, uh, we were, he came and he saw something I was doing and he liked the inking on a lot. And he says, um, How did, and he did a great question. He says, How did you come to this? And I said, Well, uh, I didn't want the lines all perfect anymore. So I started breaking them up and let some feathering lines long, some small, but they all, they all mushed into the black. Right. It was the light into the black, the black into the light, And he goes, yes, because he had just come to that same conclusion of not trying to be Rudy Nabrez, but try to be, you know, um, Jackson or Spain or Crumb kind of line work. And so probably that's that's why we we both came in at the same time, kind of happened at the same time, him at Marvel, me at D.C., being throwbacks but we didn't know we were throwbacks and the people we were working with uh, the editors and stuff they knew this stuff they knew those guys who were doing it so I mean far better than me uh, it, so I think that really that really fueled it Sacramento and Bud Plant and those comic book stores is a reason it happened we would go down to the Bay Area it was wild down there then and it was pure comics the best stores the best shops um, it was just everywhere, You, you, you. it was in the air. Um, uh, I used to go down there and there were the best bookstores, there was a poster shop that was just, I, I miss it to this day, movie poster shop. Um, it was everything and it was all the cool stuff and it was, we were a subculture. We didn't know we were subcultures, like bowlers are a subculture and you know, there's this thing, there's our own language, there's our own ebb and flow things that turn us on. Uh, we uh, so much so that um i used to have to tell girlfriends at the time what i meant by certain language or what we were talking about because they wouldn't have no clue you know it would be it would be bizarre and the things we'd get excited about were never the things that everyone else got excited about you know never
0: that's the basis of the channel man <laughs> and, and there yeah. are oftentimes because we do have a lot of makers on on the in the audience but a lot of civilians come through or just the yeah. fans. So when it comes to the language, and we're looking at say Jaime Hernandez pages or something and we're talking yeah. about spotting blacks. We have yep. to explain what that is, man. Yes. To, yeah, got well, got to, got to explain to the the, the average viewer. What I had we're saying. a
2: great I had a great period. There was the I was doing a book, I think it was Dark Joker or something. And I wasn't that wasn't written for me. It was written for someone else who bailed on it. And then they said, Can you come in and do it? And they delayed what I was gonna do so I if I would do it. And I at that point I said, Sure, I read it. It was terrific. It was a lot of fun. It was very different for me. But what happened was it was late because the guy bailed on him and waited and waited and waited before he would he ghosted him and that was the end of it. So I took it and I penciled my ass off and at one point they said, You can you come in? John, John Beatty had wanted to work with me. We had done a thing that never got published for Archie called The Hangman. And it was beautiful. And the publisher saw it and said, no way are we publishing this. And okay, but it established me a connection to John, who was an ace inker at the time. I mean, he was all the greats were calling for him, you know, Byrne and Golden and Ordway, everybody. Zach, I, so I was flattered as hell that he wanted to work with me and that was the first pro that did. So what what I loved was at, at a time, he was getting later and later, DC flew me out to Florida where he lived and we just sat there and for 10 days, just jammed, just his board, he got me a board, we just sat and talked and inked all day and we made the deadline. Through that time, this long story gets to the point, was he taught me terms, right? Because he was such a professional artist. He had worked with all the greats. Uh, and he would say, you know, you got to be careful with this zip because you don't want some moray." And I go, what moray? Is that the eel or what? And he goes, no, how it will make these weird patterns that you're not intending. He used to throw stuff at me all the time. And I felt like such a moron. I I came back and my wife says, "Oh, so how was it?" I go, "Man, I should have went to school <laughs> because I, I was learning terms. I use my own colloquialisms, you know, my own." Um, uh, but then what what John? What I would do to John was scare the shit out of him because I he said you work without a net. He's all very. And I would go, oh, I can't. I'm not getting this cloud I want. So I dip my finger in ink and just go bang, 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 bang. And then I get it. He goes, ah, what are you doing? I go, you know, whatever makes the page looks good in print, John. That's what I'm doing. And uh, another, and he, and I went and I said, uh, do we have time to go to the store? He says, no, not right now. I we got to get this thing. Get, all right, fine. So I just went and got my toothbrush and I'm doing toothbrush stuff. Now he knew about it, but he'd never seen it done. And I'm not really. Brisketing and format. I'm just, and then I'll white out what I needed. He's like, God, no, what are you, you know? But at the end, he says, I like your results. You know, I like it. I said, Sam Keith and I used to, I told him, I said, Sam Keith and I used to know that when our pages were done, they were thick because we just kept going over it and over it. And what I, and that kind of bravery, when you're attacking the stuff, just thinking how it looks in the printed page, I don't care what it is on my board. Um, but i remember sam just couldn't get this panel right it looked great to me but okay um he couldn't get it and he would do it again and he would do it again and he kept and it was getting finally says enough of this shit and he says do you have a pair of scissors and he just cut it out of the page he just cut it out drew something else pasted it in and i went you know that that looks really great um the son of a bitch threw that I wanted to keep what he cut out but he chucked it really quick and I I know it's gone you know he tore it up or whatever and Sam's a great emotional artist but he's very controlled I'm an emotional artist and that's probably we got, why we got along because it would be this explosion of it I mean we really dug the life of making these things you know to the exclusion of all else and um We were the only ones seeing it, right? It wasn't like we thought everybody's gonna see it or now they tell you to post stuff and get a reaction. Um, I'm terrible at shilling. I'm really good though at at being a fan. That's what I do Um, and that's what Sam was. We would talk about the people we liked and stuff we loved and um, uh, those were good days. Salami pizza in my kitchen inking was a great period.
0: That sounds amazing. I love those ideas. I mean, it's like iron sharpens iron, and uh, yeah. I, I think about like you know that's that's an approach, and you know we got the Pittsburgh crew here, and you know you could see some through lines and things. But then mm-hmm. I, I think about like these remote geniuses, like a Richard Corbin, who who's like an alchemist with his color and all that stuff, yep. kind of creating his whole own thing with zero, like in what Kansas or something, right. like in the middle of nowhere.
2: I think I think what happens what happens is we we people, uh, you know how you get somewhere, is a weird thing anyway, and I think then, um, with Richard, we used to separate the wheat from the chaff. The people who thought he was cool, they were cool. <laughs> people who didn't get it, all right, go go enjoy your. We knew they'd be out of comics anyway because they would read a little bit and then they get bored and move on. But we all wanted it. Uh, where my where my My wife is a civilian, but where she became a fan, I'm doing this for years. She could care less. She sees the den segment in heavy metal and says, that's really good. I said, well, if you really like that, let me show you something. She becomes a huge den fan, right? Huge Richard Corbin fan, buys everything he has for herself because it's in my studio or I I, I have it in my bookshelf. She wanted her own. And I felt really bad when he passed away because I said, you know, one of these days he'll be so I'm going to get him to sign. I I got Milo Manaro to sign a bunch of stuff for her because she loved him, too. So she starts with this avant-garde, which I can't keep up with. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm with you for all these years and now you're getting it. And now but you go right to the cream of the crop, you know, and uh, but it's good because those guys speak, man. It is so personal. Richard Corbin is so personal that, you know, He's doing this for himself. Absolutely. We just happen to be uh, he's letting us uh peek over his shoulder. That that's a genius, too. That's a brave man. Didn't care. Did you ever meet Richard? No, I spo- we spoke uh over the computer. I had told him how much he had changed up his style on something and I really liked it. He went really high contrast on some stuff. And I just I told him, I said, you pick every line you choose is correct there's no mistaking it um and i said that's that's the work of a master um just perfect
0: when he got that presidency thing for for Angoulême, and he didn't go to france i don't no. think but he did a little video and you can find that on youtube and yeah. they kind of glance by and they show all of his sculpture that he uses for den and and to light yeah. his figures and stuff and, yeah. and and the sculptures look like his drawings it's pretty cool but listen for... i think that's what he probably wanted to be first right an animation yeah. he would talk about, like yeah. just a renaissance guy. But uh, we uh, we want to promote that that Dracula comic that I've been hearing about a little bit online. A and little we, bit. And we brought uh, Uncle well, Matt you've Wagner. You've seen it,
2: right? You guys have seen it? Read
0: it, yes. loved it. We have Uncle Matt Wagner in the house. So Uncle no, Matt! So now is the part where <laughs> I could uh, pull, pull both your pants down and just start sucking you guys off. Because, <laughs> because, because it is incredible. Kelly, the art that you're uh, bringing to the presentation. Uh, when I was talking to Jimmy about this off cam, uh, it's like, and and please do not take this in the wrong way whatsoever. But 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 it's like when Tony Hawk was forty years old doing the nine hundred and teaching all the fucking kids. Check this out, man. I, I, am, I am here. I'm I'm still a fucking badass. Yep. And I
3: think, uh, I think Kelly will take that one. I think no, I'll take it. I think. Well, I look. Think,
0: Masterpiece is not a, a word that we use lately around here. And I think you guys are, you're doing what you're supposed to. And, and it is incredible to watch.
2: Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. I think, I think uh, like I told you earlier, I compete with 1972, 73, 74. And Matt gave me that. He gave me this, it felt like heavy metal. It, it felt like, doing. I mean, he said that once, but it felt like I was getting that kind of a raw, powerful visceral thing with a literary edge and um uh i don't think we've seen that in a very long time and i say that from reading the script i knew when i got it that this was i he told me on the phone it knocked me out but when i got it it was like fully formed and it was it, it i love a script i get and they're rare to get where you know any monkey could draw it and would be awesome Okay, you know it when you got it. I love a script that intimidates me because it's obviously demanding me, not by details and it just it, the emotion, the power of it. And I'm not a I I wanted to make sure everything he did, all the beats he had, all the this power that was in it was there. And and he did something cool because Dracula. We all know Dracula. What are you going to do? And you read this and I know I'm going This is utterly original. I've not read this Dracula. I've not seen this Dracula. And it feels more Dracula than anything I've seen in a long, long time.
3: You guys, Kelly said any monkey could draw that script. Okay, maybe so. But (laughs) the entire time I'm writing it, I'm writing it to Kelly's strengths. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, Kelly's going to draw the fucking shit out of this. And then, and then the art would come back, and it's like way better than I expected, even. <laughs> you know, so it was just a, an absolute
2: joy in every. In I every think stage. it's like we always work together. That's yeah, what it is. It, it literally think,
3: felt like. I mean, we've known each other for decades. Yes. This, it felt like we were still working together. No,
2: and and I think I think it's it's one of those very natural, um, uh, uh, finishing each other's sentences creatively. That's how it felt.
0: Very few great collaborations where everybody to a man or woman is in sync with everybody else and and i put this up there down to jose's color and uh it's been a long time since we had a well matt gets credit matt
2: that's where matt's artistic eye comes in because matt had clearly said what kind of colors he wanted on me and he told me i said okay i hope i can get that i tried and it's very hard to get and i can get close to it but i but I, I, he um so You he, guys what he's talking about there is I mean as long as long
3: as I've loved Kelly's art, I've always been just entirely disappointed with the way people color him. Because, you know, Kelly's got this incredible atmospheric mood to his work and everybody's like, Oh, he's dark and spooky. I'm gonna color it dark and spooky. And my attitude is always like, No, he's already got that there. You don't you don't need to add anything to it. So his stuff should be colored uh, vibrantly, you know? And uh so we see all the uh we see all the shadows, you know? And so when, when Jose came on board and of course, Jose, uh, we immediately thought of him because of, uh, the restoration work he's recently been doing on, uh, rights and swamp thing. And also on the restoration work he's been doing on Corbin, you guys were talking about Corbin when I came on screen here. And, uh, I said, I explained this to Jose and I said, look, we're looking for something like Italian giallo films, you know, specifically something like Dario Argento's, uh, Suspiria, or uh, Mario specific very specifically Mario Baba's uh, Black Sabbath both of which are lit up like neon pinball machines and they're spooky as shit you know yeah and uh boy he got that he totally got that vibe and ran with it and it's so beautiful
2: yeah yeah I I have to say that where uh I was ready to give notes I uh, every time I'd see it his stuff coming i had no notes matt would give detailed little things maybe a thing here maybe a thing there for storytelling purposes but the choices were all there if 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 nothing if they just were as they were i was in heaven but that's the that's where sometimes i need matt's eye because i'm such a fan first and matt's you can see my background fanboy. matt's (laughs) professional (laughs) comics you know
3: um so, I always say, I always say, my role in the team is I'm the storytelling bitch.
2: I'm yeah. the guy that's and, always like, has, wait I'll a minute, the- two panels ago, that that you know, nope, we gotta. You know. No, and Matt's Matt has this. Uh, if they when they finally you know take his brain out, they'll find a big part of it was an editor in there. There's a little editor <laughs> fold in the brain because he has a great as you're in the moment editing eye, and I let. I, my my strength and my weakness is I'm emotional when I'm doing it, and sometimes I'll miss it. And Matt would say, "Hey, that's great, no," and he, but he would <laughs> tell me why, and I would go, "Yeah, that's better." And when it was done, I go, "That's better." Um, so so that you be, I trust him with telling the story. I trust him, and his artistic sense was Jose. I mean that that right there. And I and I looked at the first batch that came in and uh no special effects just a guy's talent just his choices of color and i went man that is a long time since i've seen that it's yes, very uh, exciting
1: to see that color approach on your artwork it's shot
2: every 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 sequence matt writes in sequences so if you you know it now there's this sequence leads to the, that sequence leads to the next sequence and jose would bring this vibrancy to each sequence. So it wasn't just the same monolithic homogenized coloring. He would would move with Matt, the way Matt moved with the writing, he would move with the atmosphere of the situation. So when you're in the battlefield, it's wild. When you're in the mystical forest, it goes all greens and very, very uh, supernatural looking, but bright, everything he did was bright. And it made, uh, the the weird thing it made the book darker because you could see all my inks you could yeah. see everything matt yeah, had said that's
3: the key you got to you you put you you have such finesse and such eloquence in your inks it's like oh god i hate it when somebody would put dark colors on it and they just clot up yeah. you know and and now you can see your inks and it's just remarkable
2: it, but it, you know I, we
3: we're talking there about the uh, me being the storytelling bitch here's and, and you know the the uh, the level of communication that Kelly and I enjoy um we redid that first page, which turned out being just beautifully iconic. We did, yeah. Re- re- we redid it three times. Yep. Because Kel went off my description from the script the first time, and I was like, eh. And tried something else. I was like, eh. <laughs> but what did that you- was. I sent him just a little scribble. I was like, maybe something like this? And boy, he just took that and shot it to literally to the moon. On, what,
2: uh, what Matt did is something that Doug mentioned once explained to me, that that the first page of a comic, if it's a Batman, Batman should be on it. Because he was telling on some other guys they weren't. They, but you're dealing with that. So when Matt was saying it, he wasn't having to explain some brand new thought. It was like, he's right. First page has to be this thing. And certainly the others were serviceable. They would have been but never as good as that. I kept them as, you know, I'd not like I'd ever get rid of it, but I kept them as a reminder, you know. Of process. Right. It is. And it's, it's, and Matt's probably lucky too that my big hero is Stanley Cooper, who says, you either want it, do you do you want it right or not at all? Do you <laughs> care or do you not? Right. So everyone would have to go and work and work and work and work. But dude, I'm not going to make you draw stuff 127 times. Don't no, <laughs> he won't do that. But, but I have a big, poster of stanley over my head while i'm working and when i do that and i'm starting to feel i look up and i think that's why i love his stuff and and um and i think it comes to trust if you just if you're lucky enough the team we have in place is i agree wonderful and i think we all trust each other it's as simple as that how does that No one.
1: How does that team come together like like did, did you guys get together want to work together and then come up with this project or Matt did you have this project mapped out and then find people how do you guys get together on this.
3: Ke- Kelly and I met many many years ago when we were both contributing to uh, uh, the seasons of Mist uh, story arc and Sandman uh it was first at a con and then at a couple store signings and we just kind of hit it off immediately because we you know we both have a love for horror fiction in all its many forms and we have a common sense of humor it just everything clicked bourbon There <laughs> that too <laughs> and, uh, and uh uh we'd always intended to do something significant over the years but you know your individual lives your individual careers kind of push you in different directions and it just the time was never right and year and a half, two years ago, I had posted something on Facebook, and Kelly contacted me with that same old echo of, we really got to do something together someday. Yeah. But at this point, I'd been stewing on this Dracula stuff for enough uh, years, and I finally had what I thought was my take on it. And so I contacted him and said, are you serious, man? Because I, I got that, what I think is the perfect thing for us that will be, you know, a, like a real, real sublime collaboration. Uh, but it's going to take a commitment of years, you know, we're, we're, we have mapped out to do four of these graphic novels. So we're looking at, you know, four to five years worth of, uh, uh, commitment. And, uh, he said, well, let me hear what you got. And I said, well, all right, let me, let me get all my thoughts in presentable order and, uh, called him shortly after that. And we chatted through it first and you can take it from there, Cal.
2: (laughs) And so at that point, uh, when we were starting to put it together, uh, lettering wise I've been working with Rob Lee and Rob was brilliant on me. I'm an overdrawer. I get involved and I just I have to make that panel look good for me and then I let everyone else try to pound it into where do we you know the writer has to figure out what do, do I cut something or whatever. Rob knew where to place balloons. Rob and actually yeah. I think I think we had settled
3: on Rob before Jose.
2: Oh yeah long before. Yeah, yeah. And and I I was saying how much I admired rob really likes good art and he's a natural proofreader so i learned that with him beforehand he could he could spot things ahead of time um and so he would place things so beautifully and then i just loved his when he would letter it was beautiful and then his special effects were great and um uh at that point i went okay this is the guy i always want to work with because he's saving my butt a lot of times with with my overdrawing. Uh so I told Matt about that Matt checked him out and said yeah okay. When the coloring came to it we didn't really know, but Matt had this philosophy. So Matt was looking around and when he mentioned Jose, it was like wow, if we can get him we'll give him a shot. Well Jose would jumped at it. He saw the yeah. art and he
3: Yeah, like right away. I contacted yeah. Jose and I said hey man, I want to talk to you about something and he said what? And I told him and he's like yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 Uh he got a hold of me and said this is like, you know, uh what I've always kind of wanted. This is the stuff I always wanted. And and
3: we knew uh, Jose wouldn't overcolor it, you know? I mean there's a few instances of some computer ishness to it, but it's just not overcolored. Like a lot of when I look at contemporary comics, I know you guys dig the old school of coloring techniques and coloring theory. And uh and boy, Jose just really brought that to the table. I like
2: to say it's classic. Mm-hmm. I know I, I don't like to I don't care about the terms old school is fine but I like classic because I know that Jose looked at it and he saw that really cool 70s vibe and that's what he told me this this looks like that but it's brand new. He says I want to be with something like this. So he asked me things I didn't want to I didn't want to um, influence him too much. So I just stuck to what Matt was saying bright look at this stuff. Um and let's see what you do you're not you, i told i i told him a few times you're not a one and done guy if, if it's not if it's if it, the philosophy's there but we need to it, fine but don't worry that you got to hit it right out of the park we're figuring it out too mm-hmm. and uh i had told him i said since no one's going to do what we're doing since no one's doing what we're doing right now it will look brand new mm-hmm. it will shock people i think you hope and then when I first saw the stuff come in, I told Matt, "This is, this is absolutely uh exceeding our uh, our dreams on this. What what are plans?"
1: Talked to Jose at Baltimore. I don't know, a month ago maybe or something, and he was very excited about the book and was describing yeah. certain parts. You know that
2: that we've now seen. Well, Jose gets um, to be an artist. See it. Yeah. yeah he gets to be an artist that's really what it is he gets to his contribution is every bit as important because he gets to he's not supporting me or fixing me he's he's reading it and wanting to get the same thing in there you can see it
0: i think that's a say for for all of you because i you know this you Kelly, you talked about like having no safety net. Uh, you guys don't have an editor uh, looking over you. Uh, well, we
2: do. Uh, oh, <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh,
0: let's let's talk a little bit about about the process of this thing. Now, there's a Kickstarter in place right now. It's going to be going on for a little while. But Jimmy and I read the book, so this is not that vaporware kind of uh, comic uh, project where the 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 first book is done. Yeah. Uh, presumably done on spec for
1: yeah uh, it was
3: absolutely this and not only that we're we're about halfway through the second one yeah.
1: yeah yeah this this is a great point because like you guys have giant track records i assume we could probably name a dozen publishers that would have given you advances given you money for this already why do this on your own what what prompted that direction well, they
2: would told matt no they'd have said no matt that's great but you're going too far <laughs> or matt they, <laughs> you know that, that, that <laughs> i wanted nothing encumbering me and sometimes you want to remind yourself am i an artist or not not a comic book guy making money i wanted to be an artist and
3: I, you know, i'm i'm not so much worried about that because that's kind of always the way i i walk into the room and yeah. uh what it really appealed to me again i i've I've kind of been in the vanguard of indie publishing since its inception. And this whole Kickstarter thing is just a new facet of that, you know? And I really wanted to try that out and see what it was like. And this just seemed the perfect opportunity. Uh, Number one, because Kelly and I were in a position where we could do it on spec, as you said. And and we wanted to line up the four books and, and work towards that, you know? and kickstarter
2: just seemed to be kind of the way to go now well i think also i i'm looking at the at that you know when they size you up career wise i wanted something more than just and and i'm happy with it but i wanted something more than batman i wanted i wanted i wanted something like this i hoped for something like this and then when it came all the other questions of how to do it went away it was like I'm. uh i remember going matt wanted it a different size so i had to go buy a paper cutter i had to go buy the paper i measured it. i mean i'm doing all this physical stuff i never do um it was a total pleasure i mean yeah it, um, in,
3: uh, to specify there it's uh it's gonna be eight and a half by eleven so european album size not uh, standard american comic size and yes. it
2: works it, it's it, it gave me more room actually it's creepy I eerie felt, size yeah yeah Yes, like creepy near.
0: Let's let's talk about the realities of of this this uh, commitment for for you, Kelly. Like, how long did we spend drawing this this uh, this first issue or the first book? For
2: I want to say, um, if I if I were to just say in, in in real time, about five or six months. You know, uh, that's, and that's then...
3: another nice thing here is neither of us are uh, neither of us fret and worry about what we do. you know what i mean we 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 sit down and we produce we know our aims we know our goals and you know i knew when i was working with kelly it wasn't going to be like four years later i'm finally getting book one wrapped up i was like no Kelly's gonna sit down and draw this
2: yeah and and he did (laughs) yeah and and i i because i was so enjoying the process of just uh, like i was saying earlier uh, production is everything it, things grow in that if you spend too much time it it, it calcifies so the emotion yeah. helped dr- you know people said we're asking me, well how did you come up with dracula how how are you going to present dracula and i said well matt wrote him so clearly in my head that it didn't i didn't have to sit and design him all day it was like oh i see him and yeah, when I mean, you there's produ-
3: already an established uh, uh, template for dracula to some degree and well i'm been-
2: talking about just how he carries himself
3: Yes, right.
2: You know? uh, I'm talking about the look in his eye, the his angle of his head. The, to me, it's all uh, uh, almost um, uh, motiv- it, 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 method acting.
3: So yeah, right. The right. best
2: way I can put it. So I never worry about, I think a lot of people worry about the doodads on an outfit. I figured 15th century, I'll go look and see what they wore. That, that kind of hems you in. Um, the other, the real part to me in designing character is those things, they're very intangible. So, but they're the things you know and you remember. And I think it, it, if if there's something I did was Matt would do something and emphasize it and I am able to get it to work in the picture, in, in the in the panel without knowing what he's saying. You know, he's saying something. You know, it means something. You know, there's a beat there that emphasizes it. And that's due to the fact that I believe I know who this guy is. Uh, Kelly,
3: Kelly mentioned method acting there for uh, his characterization. You know, uh, uh, Bram Stoker's uh, life as a writer was his side hustle, right? He, hmm. he was uh, His main gig was he was the uh, manager of a, uh, a theater in London uh, that had one star actor, a fellow named Henry Irving. And in fact, he based uh, Dracula's uh, 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 stature, build, demeanor... Uh, appearance on henry irving and irving even though he was you know he was an actor so he was not an uh, aristocrat he still presented himself with a real snotty aristocratic bastard kind of uh, air
2: so mm-hmm. kelly perfectly captured that in our dracula yeah. yeah i i loved i loved that relationship um at least irving read the whole novel out so they could secure copyright from anyone doing a play mm-hmm. uh they just i remember that 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 was a kind thing he done but yeah, he was a jerk. And he didn't do a lot of kind things for Stoker. No, he was he a was jerk kind of a to Stoker. Yeah. yeah, he was a real jerk. <laughs> um, it's kind of like the film The Dresser. He was kind of like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, but, but that's the stuff that um, that's the stuff that uh, influences my drawing. It, it Going back to Dead Man and Batman, it, you act like you invent them, and it influenced how I did those. So I found success in that, and I stick to it. So when Matt would do it, um, and it, write how he was, or all this stuff. It, I never thought, Oh, I gotta sit here and draw pictures so I can show Matt. Um, it was like just hit the board. I, I, I already saw him, I already knew what it was. Uh, it'll work best when you just see him,
3: yeah. And there was never, there was never any, uh, any critiques I had were never about the drawing. The drawing was yeah. always perfect, it was always, as I said,
2: I'm the storytelling bitch, mm-hmm. so it was, but always- it all works. And, and, yeah. and if, if you can't trust the. if if you can't trust who you're working with and your ego gets to the point to where that's the argument rather than the the book rather than the finished product if 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 i'm happy about anything is people will really i think will really dig it and it's going to be because it was just this perfect storm of creative people that got it that just got it we all wanted to see it this way we didn't know what it was, but we knew we wanted to see it. So when it started happening, you get out of the way. I mean... Um,
3: I... And, and part of what led to it, all of it was... Uh, um, I can't remember if I said this earlier when we were talking. Um, you know, in, in Stoker's novel, uh, Dracula is this incredibly compelling and magnetic presence. And he's not on stage all that often. Yeah. Uh, aside from the opening castle scene where Harker goes to his castle in Transylvania... Once he gets to London, he's gone. He's not on stage very much. He's this shadowy presence that kind of uh, uh, infects the the people around him. And when I was a kid and read the book, I was just like, I want more Dracula, you know? So ever after that, I, I mean, I love so many Dracula movies, and I don't think any of them are... I never thought any of them were right, were correct. Uh, so all of it was just like, well, someday I'm going to do my Dracula. And, and that turned out to be my and Kelly's Dracula. And boy... Could not be happier with the synthesis that we came up with that to my mind is is the perfect complement to stoker's original vision and in keeping with that uh we recently uh i when we were posting stuff on uh twitter and facebook about the uh the campaign i heard from uh leslie Klinger, who is uh a famous author and considered uh one of the world's foremost dracula scholars he wrote the newest annotated Dracula, which is exhaustively annotated. Uh, He wrote an annotated Sherlock Holmes, Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein. The guy really knows his stuff. And uh, so I sent him the book, like I sent you guys the book, and he sent us this glowing response, this glowing quote, a blurb that we can use. And
2: I just thought, wow, whew.
3: You white know, guys telling me we got it right we got it right you know? I, think, I think yeah well Matt's,
2: matt has a scholarly mind so yes he was going to the professor i just draw comics and that's why i'm happy this is my period with you guys reacting this way i'm going okay i passed you know? i like that shit too yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I
0: think it's important to get on the record uh, in this conversation that this is not an adaptation of bram stoker's novel yep
3: absolutely it is not this is nope. this is not an adaptation of the novel in the comics form there are already a ton of those yeah it's been adapted into comics over and over and over through the years yeah fact, and we're not if doing you on, we're not... if you look
2: on ebay and amazon you can find a ton of them
3: yeah it's not, telling it's... the stories around that story
2: the stories in the shadow of that story it's not like anything i've read but it's all there it's it's cannot it's in canon but it's it's never been told that's what I hoped when the people would read the book is they go, "Wow, I did." You know, it's all there, but it's it's like uh, Matt doesn't do a thing like uh, I'm going to explain to you the folklore now. It just sort of happens. It's just sort of there, and you, and it develops on its own. It's very organic. That's the best kind of storytelling.
1: Right was there a consideration when you guys went crowdfunding with this consideration for putting it in front of an audience that maybe doesn't find it if it's just in comic shops or through, you know, kind of traditional comics outlets? Was that something you thought about? Because this feels like a project that I think you could put it in the hands of people who have never read a comic, but love horror, love Dracula, love great art, and and they would they would be in heaven. So is ho- that ho- something yeah, you thought about? Yeah, hopefully so.
3: I mean, you know, the the when the when the direct sales market first arose and comic shops started uh, uh coming into their own you know it was a it was a really great thing because it, all of a sudden you're targeting a dedicated audience you know um yeah at the same time over the years much like uh record shops uh it's become somewhat microcosmic and certainly there's like there's a huge portion of your buying audience that really likes that that likes to go into that microcosm into that cocoon into just be enveloped in the, the world of comics <clears throat> other people's don't necessarily want to go there you know and they would much rather uh, uh, have access to this product some other way so yeah hopefully uh, this is going to reach other people we've uh, we've uh, enlisted the the help of an advertising firm that's going to be advertising it online outside of uh, the confines of what we're doing and yes like I said hopefully uh, hopefully this will appeal to uh horror fans literature fans uh we've done a ton of interviews uh with various horror websites you know not comics websites um you know i mean i keep saying arguably dracula is the most famous literary character of all time you know that's 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 a a huge leg up in getting into the hands of readers you know
0: Let's talk about some of this infrastructure behind uh, the comic. Like when, when I mean, obviously the the original goal on the Kickstarter was six hundred sixty six dollars. <laughs> Far exceeded that a little, by, a uh, little
3: facetious uh, there. By, I will admit. of, yes. of, of course.
0: But uh, you guys got a long road ahead of you, production wise. I can't imagine you're going to be stuffing envelopes and shipping these books off by hand. So so what's what's that part of the procedure look like
3: you you enlist a fulfillment service we, we have somebody that's that's doing that for us yeah i, I don't want i don't want all those things Well up i want
2: to i want to make sure these things are packed properly so people get them in pristine condition yeah and, yeah that too yeah you know, and, and as, that, as a I'm, result
3: we're dealing with people that that know yeah, that we
2: get we get greasy hands on everything and spill our coffee and whatnot so well, you got to get someone who does what they're doing. <laughs> kelly you got the toothbrush spatter man so we got to keep that yeah, away did. from <laughs> these
0: pristine uh, new books i got ink the on my bladder yeah and he uses
3: his fingerprints a lot if you look at that first page the clouds are all fingerprint rendering it's awesome yeah. don't tell him man i was going to
0: use that to get into his iphone
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't commit
2: uh, a crime man
3: if uh if for your various viewers that haven't looked at the kickstarter page yet uh so we have two different editions of the main uh book one with uh, a cover by kelly one with a cover by me we have a signed and limited edition as well. And then we have a portfolio of uh, uh, so same size as the original art, 11 by 17. Um, seven plates from the uh, interior artwork of the book that are all just real hot shit examples of Kelly's magnificent art. Uh, each of them then has a, uh, a caption, uh, a very uh, evocative caption at the bottom that's taken directly from my script on that page. So, uh, you know, trying to Trying to not overload people with opportunities, you know, not too much swag, but uh,
2: I think it's a pretty nice spread of uh, product available. So this video... Yeah, uh, go ahead, yeah, as if it You know, if it grows, we'll do more. I mean, it's just how it, yeah. how it yeah. is. If people show an interest, we'll do more.
0: This vid uh, has gone live uh, October 29th on, on Sunday uh, is when we put this out to the public. Uh, so uh, when does the Kickstarter kind of um, crowdfund end? And uh, is there a time frame where people could start to expect to to get their copies?
3: So uh, it's it ends three weeks. November? Yeah, November twenty first or something like that. It says uh, on the
2: page. Yeah, it's got twenty one days to go.
3: Um. Uh. But Ed, you mentioned their production and printing. Even though we're done with our end, you know the the fact is, you know, production runs slow and printing runs really slow these days. So, uh, it's about a year from now is when the book will find its way into people's hands. Um, it actually ships from the printer, want to say July, June. I thought it was around June, June or July. And then by yeah. the time it gets to American Shores and uh, you know, to the fulfillment service and then shipped out to everybody, all that shit just adds up, you yeah. know, day after day, week after week. But well, we're
2: uh, we're we, I've said it before, we're like planes waiting to land. You all have to get in row because they're. Uh, everybody's printing and it is it you, if if i were not done with this i would be going Worried, nuts. yeah yeah because yeah
3: and the good the good news to that is again we're we're forging right ahead with
2: the uh, when number when two comes up it'll be done yeah that's just the that's just the way to do it it has yeah. to be done when you hit these things it has to be finished
0: yeah, I mean that's a professional approach, man. Yeah. Uh especially with inflation and things, man. If you start yeah. soliciting yeah. before you draw well, the damn thing.
2: You can be forgiven a lot, but you can't be forgiven for wasting time. Right. Uh I, I we we're at the whims of the printing industry and everything else. But the stuff Matt and I control, we did it. Yes. And we didn't take a million years. We handled it. And um you just got to go on people's good graces that they understand that you know and
3: additionally this is this is just the approach i've always had throughout my professional life you know i've seen sadly seen so many of my colleagues take money up front for gigs and you know then they get lost in a black hole and they've spent the money and they still have to do all that work and i've just been adamant throughout my entire career i do not in- invoice for something until it's done Mm-hmm. and uh similarly i've had dear friends that have run very successful kickstarter campaigns and boom they're not done and they get lost in that same black hole and they generate an enormous amount of ill will mm-hmm. and we were just determined nope we are not going down that road we're
2: going to be done before before we even mention well, i i took the fact that when i was when i'm working for marvel or dc or whatever I wasn't going to give them anything more to criticize me on if I'm doing weird ears in the Cape, they can't say, and you're late or you're all, (laughs) all my professional cues were hit. So I would go, um, okay. It's on time. Right. Well, I knew a lot of other guys aren't on time. So, uh, so you hit your professional marks and then that way it cuts down any crap because you can come right back and say, uh, so what you're saying is if I give you time, you're going to criticize me. Right. That's what I used to say to editors. Um, you get, if if I'm on time, you're done criticized, you're done with anything more. You can say it while I'm doing it, but not when it's done. I do not go back and -hmm. take the same ground twice. And that was that. Um, so in doing this, I just, I, I can't change. I, I don't believe extra time makes something better. I think extra time ruins stuff. I think you need to, Matt knew that it needed, you know, he was waiting for it uh i have to respect matt gave me a big thick script so i knew he was working on it and he just doesn't it's not just the time it took him to tie but he did enormous amounts of research um so you gotta you, you don't pay a guy back by then dicking around
1: Fantastic. Have you guys put in more time selling this project than than a typical book that you've Must done have. in the past yeah it sure feels hardest. like it right
2: now that's for sure it's the hardest part the hardest part is this it wasn't redoing the first page three
0: times
2: Yeah, we got you guys up at 10 a.m
3: uh bright and early man, uh, to uh, to do some I'm always, dude i'm married to a teacher i'm always up early
2: <laughs> Yep. my wife has her own business so i'm always up early
3: yeah
0: appreciate the conversation gentlemen uh the, the audience out there they have their marching orders uh pledged to this kickstarter the work is done the work is done this book has happened and abs- absolutely absolutely uh, it was a brilliant conversation. And then, hey, you
3: guys have gotten to read it
0: <laughs> totally, and and uh, K- Kelly, it was super fun to chat with you in that in that uh, you know t- tiny way. But we have to mm-hmm. have you back on the show. Get get a little bit broader. Certainly, you with... guys just
2: say when and where, and I'll do it.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And I'm sure. Hey, thanks for having us on, guys. You you must have another interview at at, at noon or 11 today.
3: Five five (laughs) o'clock.
0: Is there another one today?
3: Yeah, five (laughs) o'clock.
0: Cheers, guys. Yeah, Yeah. thanks, Matt and Kelly. And
3: good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you. Fabers,
0: like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available we are a daily youtube channel with more than 1500 videos at your disposal we might have talked about some of your favorites so search for your favorite uh comics on the front page of the kayfabe youtube channel hit the magnifying glass search for your favorites check out those episodes if we did not talk about your favorite comics you have to let us know in the comments so that we can push your faves a little bit higher up on our uh, two read piles, and make those uh, episodes for you as soon as possible. The Patreon exists for the King Kayfabers to get all of the videos before anybody else does. Uh, it mitigates the kayfabe effect. The things that we talk about on this channel, things like uh, the you know the Escapo trade paperback, whatever, uh, they become very expensive if you can even find them online at all. And it's always the King Kayfabers who get earliest dibs at those copies by getting the fully produced videos plus. The live stream recording sessions that we do while we produce the videos. Ultimately, though, the videos are brought to you by the books that we make before you is a good smattering of uh, our bibliography. But we uh, make new comics all the time. So, Jimmy, let the people know what you got. I've been self-publishing
1: lately. I have True Crime Funnies, a collection of three short nonfiction stories. 1986 zine is a celebration of the greatest year in comics history, 1986, looking at everything from Dark Knight to Mouse to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and their many rip-offs, and the BW zine, looking at the Black and White Explosion self-publishing and small press books of the 1980s. These are all available right now on my website, JimRug.com. Coming up in November, I will have a new volume of Street Angel. Street Angel Princess of Poverty will be out from Image Comics at the end of November. You can pre-order or reserve that one now. It is a companion piece to Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, also available from Image Comics. Together, these two books will collect all of my Street Angel comics that I have created so far. And finally, Hulk Grand Design, my contribution to the Grand Design stories, one of the books I'm most proud of making. This thing is out of print at the distro level, which means if it's at your comic shop, scoop it up, because it is going to disappear and be hard to replace. Prices are already going up online for these, so if you haven't added Hulk Grand Design to your collection yet, do that now.
0: The Hip-Hop Family Tree Omnibus is out there in full effect. Thank you guys so much for supporting it. If you did, and if you have not yet, uh, right at this moment at least, uh, there's there's some steep discounts online that you could find if you don't have a good comic shop in town. 504 pages with about 140 plus pages of additional material. Uh, it's going to serve all customers the the people who uh read hip hop family tree in the past you're getting a lot more material to uh to chew on and if you've never seen hip hop family tree before like now is the time or generating a new readership with this uh latest hip hop family tree omnibus let's sell it out before uh 2023 closes out the calendar year i think that's a noble goal and, and we're on uh, more than 75 percent of the way toward that goal not the only holiday piece i'm having uh come out in 2023 there's going to be an x-men grand design trilogy trade paperback uh coming to you it's going to include all of my x-men grand design works uh in one handy uh package it's going to be the size of a comic it's going to be smaller than the hip hop family tree size big books but uh that is coming to you in november Red Room has been the focus for the past couple of years. There are two trade paperbacks out right now, uh, the Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. Third's going to come to you in January. It's called Crypto Killers. And uh, right now, I am serializing my daily strip uh, exclusively to my Patreon. Uh, it's, gonna, it's called Switchblade Shorties. It's going to be coming out January 1st, 2024. But you can uh, get a leg up and, and uh, check out those comics before they see the light of day to Genpop. Plus, I uh, do streams every now and then here on the kayfabe channel producing new uh new comic pages and new new strips for that series so thank you guys who have been uh, supporting that let's keep that rocking uh the books are the absolute most important part of uh keeping cartoonist kayfabe sustainable uh to the point where jimmy and i could uh, collaborate and put these videos together Uh, There are, however, some other ways to support uh, the channel. Jimmy, let the people know.
1: Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this
0: video. Oh, good ways to support the channel. Give them some marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.